Welcome to the Power Zone Sports Podcast for the week of March the 11th. I'm your host, Jason Powers, along with we've got Michael Banks on board tonight. We're going to talk a little NFL free agency. The NFL, new NFL year just got started, and we're going to talk free agency, teams that are taking advantage of free agency, teams that are not. There's been some big trades in the NFL as, as the league year has gotten getting ready to go. We had a big uh, pro, day today, pro day involving Kyler Murray that we'll talk about for a minute or two. So we're going to talk, again, we're going to talk teams that are taking advantage of, of, of free agency and teams are not. You know, do you, is free agency a quality way to build your team? The, the pros and cons of free agency and all that good stuff. We're also going to talk March Madness. This Sunday is Selection Sunday, one of the best days of the year. We've got my boy Greg Gumbel and Clark and Seth Davis and the boys rolling out the brackets at 6 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> <laughs> Always a fun hour watching uh, Greg Gumbel say in the East Region. Go the back to Blue. basics today. <laughs> That's right. And then you flip over to ESPN and you hear their breakdown and all that good stuff. So it's, so it's a good three or four hours of, of good stuff, of, of hearing all the bracket bracketology you want to hear. So we're going to talk bubble teams. Obviously, you know, teams are going to get in by winning their conference tournament. And we all probably, if, you, if you've been keeping up with basketball at all, we, we probably have a pretty good sense of, you know, the heavyweight teams. We're going to talk about some bubble teams, some of the you know, the argument versus the big team, you know, the big the big five conference teams versus kind of the little guy, the Belmonts of the world versus the, you know, the, the, the NC State, the Clemsons, the Indianas of the world. So we're going to talk about who should get in, who shouldn't, the, the you know, all that, the, the, the thought process. We'll try to be the committee tonight, Mike. You and I will be the committee. All right. So welcome, Mike. Any uh, any big doings up in Birmingham since we last spoke? Not much. Not much at all. A lot of rain, a lot of tornadoes, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, typical Alabama weather. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was uh that what uh I know there's I know there was that those bad tornadoes were down there by Auburn. Yeah. A couple of weeks back. I kind of what's the what's the any update on that as far as I know it's bad news for a lot of people, but uh did they ever, you know, any any good heartwarming stories about anybody down there? Uh, there were a couple. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but there were a um, couple yeah. cool things that ended up happening because of But, yeah, that was pretty bad. 23 people died and a bunch of kids were involved in that. So, um, And they had the warnings. The warnings were in place. They just... Just got some bad head. weather. I remember that that weekend was just some horrific weather that rolled through the the plains in the southeast. And yep. it's crazy how Alabama gets hit by. I mean, just a it's just a tornado hotbed. You know, Oklahoma, Alabama, kind of Georgia. That kind of the, seems like they're a little bit of Mississippi seem to be the just the the mecca of tornadoes. Well, it's the humidity. It's just you know it's so humid here. You know, right now it, it's uh, sixty seven degrees. The humid, it's very warm outside because it's nothing but humidity. And then, you know, on Saturday, it'll drop down. We're having bad weather again tomorrow or supposed to. And then by Saturday night, it's going to be 35 degrees. So, Jeez. you know, when you, you up, go up and down like that and the pressure's 
um, the pressure systems clash like that, that's what happens. This kind of weather you get. So why we that's why we mirror the Midwest a lot because our weather patterns are a, a lot alike. So yeah. Well, thanks for the uh, meteorology uh, tips. With the, hey, with no the, problem. I, I learned. <laughs> I learned from James Spann. With the with the cumulonimbus clouds and the in the in the low fronts and the high fronts and the volatility. We have a pressure Doppler. dropping. The pressure drops. We have That's a right. Doppler in our backyard. That's right. You you and Jim Kent. You you'll be a guest with Jim Kentory one of these days. That's right. <laughs> All right. Let's talk some NFL free agency. That new new league year. Got kicked off officially today, but uh, by the rules, they were allowed to start negotiating uh, Monday. But as we all know, they probably half these deals probably got struck at the combine a week yeah. and a half ago. So, but uh, lots of deal, lots of money being spent by these teams, lots of deals being made. We're gonna, you know, give me your thoughts, Mike. What is your thoughts on free agency as far as a you know the viable way to build your team as opposed to the draft or you know unrestricted you know. You got the draft, you got trades, you got you got free agency. Kind of, what is your thoughts on the use of free agency by some of these teams? Well, I think if you, I mean, you really don't have to look any further than the Patriots. And to, if you want to look at a blueprint on how to build your team, you build it through the draft, you build it through some clever trades, and you spot some free agents here and there of guys that really go un, you know, kind of under the radar, so to speak, and that. You know, that the whole let, let's spend a ton of money on, on, a, on a bunch of guys just never seems to work out. I mean, the Rams did it last year, got him to the Super Bowl, but it wasn't enough to win the Super Bowl against a team that doesn't go crazy. And they don't they don't even spend money to resign their their players. They let them go, too. So, um you know, but yeah. you got you have to have a good draft in place, a good scout. I mean, I, I meant to say a good scouting system in place, so you draft and develop well. And if you don't have that, then it really is not going to matter what you do. But um, that's why the Patriot, Patriots are able to do it because they scout well and they draft well, and then they develop the players once they get there. Yeah, and one and one of the big things with free agency is the one thing that's always a mystery is you don't really. Obviously, that that player has not been on your team, so you you don't really know fully what you're getting. I know you can talk to agents and other players in the league, but the the deep down, truly, what kind of player you're getting or what kind of work ethic you're getting, sometimes is tough to figure out. And most of the time, these free agents, especially on these first day or two of free agency, where the where the teams are paying a premium, they just tend to not. I mean, you don't you don't see the teams that sign these big blue chip free agents on the first day or two, they're usually not the teams that are, that are in the mix long-term. You know, it's usually the teams that wait till the, you know, the third or fourth, fifth day of free agency where they'll pick and choose a specify a specific guy. They'll get them at a, at a, at a, at a reasonable price. Um, it's usually not a high, you know, high ticket guy. It's, you know, it's the, it's the, the right guard that you need that's maybe not the star guy, but it's just is a perfect team, team chemistry kind of guy. That's a good player, but he's not fantastic. Usually those are the kind of friends that really help these teams get to the promised land. Right. And that's what the Patriots do. They wait around, they get, I mean, just look at last year, they get a quarter Patterson. They get, uh, you know, a, um, a Jeremy Hill, which I know he was injured, but still those guys that are like, you know, you just think, oh, I forgot they were even still playing, 
you know, right. they don't, people just don't think about them. And then, then they, those guys become valuable later on in the year, just like they did the year before the Rex Burkhead. I mean, right. Rex Burkhead was not a highly sought after free agent. Patriots wanted him because he was a Patriots type of player. And, you know, you, you know, I know my lions have signed a, you know, signed Trey flowers, but who the Patriots let go huge money. But is that going to make a difference in the long run? I, we're going to talk. Know. We're going to we're going to talk about your Detroit Patriots here in just a few minutes <laughs> <laughs> with your boy Patricia scouring the scouring the uh, the roster of the Patriots the Patriot he's, way he's scouting in Foxborough all 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 off season. That's right. So yeah, I'm, and I'm with you. You know the 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 most te- you know free agency for a lot of teams should be. Hey, we need one more guy to kind of get us over the top at a certain position. Usually it's, you know, it, it can be a skilled position or whatever, but it, may, it can be anywhere on the team. But a lot of times, you know, the, the good teams that utilize free agency will, util, will pick up a guy, one or two guys that fill a specific need. And that's going to be that they really think that are close to winning big, that they're going to plug in and that's going to be the guy. But if you're out, if you're going out and you're signing seven or eight free agents, like a couple of these teams have done. Yeah. It's just it's just difficult to hit on them all, and if you'll be lucky to hit on thirty percent of them, because whether it's work ethic, whether it's they're a different guy when they finally got that big contract, whether they're you're you're overpaying them because they're they're over the hill as far as age wise, you know you always hear these guys talking about free agents. You don't want to be signing free agents to any kind of big money once they get to thirty years old. And and granted, most of these teams in these first day or so of free agents are signing guys that are kind of in their prime, you know, athletically. But there there are reasons why these these teams that had them don't want to bring them back or didn't weren't able to re-sign them. So there's always a kind of a buyer beware when, you, when you're dealing with free agency, um, especially these first couple of days of free agency. And, and uh, you know, historically, you, you just look, you look around the league, every team's got them where they just, not every team, but virtually every team has, has you know, spent big, the first day or two, and, and you know, and where they've had just bust after bust of guys. You know, my team, the Bucks, is a great example. We've been very active in free agency the last couple of years, especially on defense. And in most majority of our free agents that we signed early on in free agency were just didn't pan out. Whether it was uh, they just weren't good enough, they you know, work ethic wise, whatever the deal was, they just didn't work out. So, um, very interesting to see how some of these. And obviously, some of these teams have to spend money because they have so much money available in the salary cap. I.e., the you know, for example, the Colts is a great example. They had the most money going into free agency, like a hundred million dollars to spend, and I don't think they've signed anybody of note yet, which is no, which is interesting. They signed, which they signed one player. I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, exactly, exactly. You and I don't remember who it was. So, right. so that tells you. You know, that's a great example of a team that really believes in building through the draft and being very choosy of how of what guys what they do with their salary cap money. The good teams, the smart organizations typically use most of their excess salary cap money to re-sign their own guys. You know, Indianapolis, you know, they they re-sign their guys that they've drafted and developed. That's where a lot of teams will a lot of the good the, the well run teams will use their salary cap dollars. Is to is to re-sign the guys that they've drafted and they've developed. Devin Funches, that's who it was. Yep, <laughs> yep. It was, and it was like a, I think it was like a one-year deal for like twelve or thirteen million bucks. Ten, so it's one, one you're year, not getting million. bogged down into. 
Yeah, you're not yeah. bogged down and giving a guy $30 million guaranteed for a th- you know, four or five-year contract. Right. That's the other thing I noticed with some of these free agents, free agent signings early on is not a lot of long-term deals, a lot of two- and three-year deals at the most kind of stuff. Um, right. You know. But a lot of money Obviously, guaranteed. players are trying to get – Yeah, I mean, a lot of – yeah, but I would say is a lot of times they typically guarantee that money in the first couple of years of the deal. I mean, these teams don't want to get strapped down with having – huge signing bonuses in year three and four of the contract where most of these deals are their guaranteed money is coming in the first year couple first two years of the deal i mean a the good, good example is, is your guy cj mosley he was a guy that was uh you know he he was a guy that a lot of people thought the ravens were going to re-sign and very surprisingly the jets came in with a just a huge offer and they got cj mosley yep just a ton of, you know, ton like fifty something million dollars guaranteed, guaranteed money, which, yeah, which which surprised me because I thought, you know, all indications were that the Ravens were gonna maybe see what kind of offer he got and then match it, but apparently that offer was just above and beyond what the what the Ravens were willing to pay for a guy who is really who's really now the who was really perceived to be the you know the captain of the defense, right? Well, and um. You know, I think that the Jets wanted a guy like that, obviously, because and the, the Jets are trying to sign everybody that's available right now. But, um, but yeah, the Ravens, to let him go, I was kind of surprised at that. But I guess they look in, you know, middle linebacker is a, is a taxing position. And 26 years old, I know that sounds young, but 26 years old after playing four or five years already in the NFL at a very, you know, taxing position. I guess they look, thought, hey, let's not. I don't want to. We're not going to dump that much guaranteed into them and have, you know, something happen and be have that much dead money for that long. So yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a trend towards guys. I mean, teams are much more willing to, I'll say, roll the dice on their draft picks and the younger guys than they are to, to just to, to to give these guys humongous money. I mean, some guys are worth it and some guys will be impact players, but a lot of these guys, you know. Again, will be guys that are just getting a huge payday, and in in two three years from now, those will be the guys that'll be getting released because their their performance was uh, just not good enough. So, um, relative to what what salary they're making. So, right. Um, all right, let's talk about some teams who, who who we think have been pretty active in free agency so far. I'm going to start off with the Oakland Raiders. Obviously, a huge start in free agency. They signed. Trent Brown, the big left tackle from the Patriots. Um, you know, Trent Brown was a major cog for the Patriots to to, to go uh, on their Super Bowl run. You know, I think they signed him to a four-year, like $68 million contract. John Gruden, Mike Mayock and company in Oakland trying to get it, trying to uh, really turn the Raiders around. And that's the beauty of free agency is you can spend a lot of money and – you might get you. You could get lucky, and if two or three of these guys hit, you could you could go from four and twelve to ten and six in one year, kind of deal. Yeah, and um, you know who else they signed? Your you boy, know? your boy today, Tyrell. Tyrell <laughs> Phillip. No more, no more, no more getting the routes run to him by Phillip. Tell run nope. the post, Tyrell. No, nope. uh, Philip will be all. Will not have a person to complain to. <laughs> uh, but I, I like the signing to go along with with Antonio Brown, who they obviously acquired in the trade. 
I think that's a that gives him a good. I mean, Williams has proven he plays very well as a number two. Yeah. You know, obviously with Keenan Allen and San Diego, so or Los Angeles or wherever they are. But Mike, uh, and obviously with Mike Williams' emergence, so that he was, you know, he yeah, was expendable. I mean, yeah, and I think you know you make Jordan now. Jordan, if they keep, if they decide they're going to keep Jordy Nelson, he'll be a good number three guy. Now all of a sudden. You went from a, a weakness, which the Raider off the Raider offensive, you know, wide receiving core line. So the the Raiders very active. I know the one thing you know the Ra- the one the one thing about the Raiders you heard was at last year was. They didn't have the, the the liquid capital to be able to give these guys big signing bonuses. That was the deal with with uh, Khalil Mack. They were you know nervous about having to give him so much money up front, and that was one of the reasons they traded him. But you know Mike Mayock, his first year with Gruden, they're 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 definitely going forward a little bit here, and they're gonna. I think this is also gonna be a. This is gonna. They're, they're really gonna see if if Derek Carr can be the man, because if Derek Carr can't get it done with these guys, and I think I think they're gonna make a move next year and try to try to draft them a quarterback. So this is kind of a one-year trial for Derek Carr right. to uh, to see where he's at. Well, not to mention they have three first-round picks. So, right. I mean, you, you go out, you spend the money in free agency, and if you draft right, and, I mean, they got a guy who is, I mean, that's his specialty is, is college kids and looking at, looking right. at college players. Um, you draft, if you hit on those, if you just hit on two of those first-round picks, yeah, I mean you're in good shape because, like you said, they put the pieces around Carr now with Brown and uh, Williams and Antonio Brown, uh, Trent Brown and Antonio Brown. Um, they added Lamarcus Joyner on defense. Right. right. They already have uh, the guy um, Carl. Well, what's uh, Carl Joseph? Uh, right. Over there, so they they have some pieces in place. They've got Carr now. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they if they say goodbye to to Marshawn Lynch or not, what they do there. Right. Um, so, yeah, and now you got three first-round draft picks. I think, you know, the Raiders are obviously looking to to not just limp into Las Vegas year after yep, next. You know? For sure. Yep, that was it. like I said, uh, again, it'll be interesting to see what the dynamic is with Gruden. Gruden, Gruden has always been a free agency kind of guy. When he was in Tampa – he always liked he always liked free agents. He he was very active down here with free agents, um, and you know. But obviously, you have three first round picks. You got like you said, you got to hit on at least two of those three. Got to be players that are impact players for you. Obviously, it's hard to hit on every first round pick. Um, if you're if you're if you're good at this, you're you're you might be hitting sixty percent of the time on draft picks if you're if you're a good scouter. But uh, you know, it's a good start. I can't you know. And again, and how and how. How great was the trade, the Amari Cooper trade for both teams? Now, yeah, because it out. yeah, Amari Cooper obviously was uh, was the difference maker for Dallas once he got there. He was what kind of put them over the edge, got them to the playoffs really, because they were they probably weren't going to make it without him. And then the Braiders get a first round pick. They sign AB and Williams now, so you know th- yep, those yep. those voids have been filled, and they have the first round draft pick from it. So. A win-win on that trade, where whereas a lot of people thought that Dallas gave up way too much at the time of the trade. Yeah, it's a good trade for both. Both teams won. Yep. So, 
Very All few, right, let's go to the New York Jets. Le'Veon Bell, C.J. Mosley. They've signed. They're, they've signed. Uh, you know, a couple of offensive linemen. They traded for uh, a guy from the Raiders, a pretty good, pretty good player for the Raiders, Kaleche Osemele, who was with the Raiders. Man. Uh, Henry you know, Anderson, Jamison Crowder. Yeah, I mean, they're again back to they want to see what they want to give their young quarterback Darnold some weapons. I mean, they were again other than your boy Sticks Anderson last year, <laughs> a fantasy favorite of yours late in the season. <laughs> two years ago, two years. <laughs> They're uh, really going to give Darnold some weapons and some offensive line help. So um, the big, you know, obviously with Le'Veon Bell, he, about- he he did not get what he thought he was going to get on the open market. I think it was pretty clear, not pretty clear, but, you know, the consensus is that he uh, did not, I mean, he didn't even sign to be the top highest paid running back in the league now. He's like second behind Gurley. He only got about 30 million bucks, which 30 million bucks is a ton of money, but I think he was thinking he was going to get 40 or 40 to 50 million in that range. Well, his um, plan backfired on him big time. Holding yeah. out last year. It backfired. He thought he was worth more. He held out and he lost the whole year and it didn't it didn't help him one bit. Right. You're right. He probably would have got the same he would have probably gotten the same exact contract if if he'd have played last year. Obviously if he'd have been a catastrophic injury, that's different, but the the odds of a catastrophic injury are pretty slim. But if he'd have played last year, he'd have made the 14 million. He probably would have got the same, virtually the same contract this year. If not bigger, depending yeah, on the he, year he had. Right. So, I mean, he, uh, you know, so he probably cost himself probably at least $10 million. And remember, he had an opportunity to come in in week 10 and make another 6 or $7 million of that franchise money. Yeah. All he had to do was play six or seven weeks, and he didn't even do that. So, yeah, um, yeah Lev, Lev Bell is probably going to be, it'll be interesting to see how, how that dynamic works. And if he... You know, if he's smart, he'll just put put his nose to the grindstone, do his job for a couple of years. Maybe he he can renegotiate his deal the last year of that contract. Who knows? So, yeah. but uh, he could be a good fit in New York. I mean, he's definitely a, a hell of a player. He's a he's a great all around back. And you know, I'm a little you know I get a little nervous with a guy like Lev Bell in New York City with with some of the drug issues he's had in the past. But we'll see. We'll see how that works. And well, he's also leaving. I think a lot of people, you know, I, I know just from a fantasy perspective and, and from a football perspective, you're taking him away from everybody thinks and he and he was a great player in Pittsburgh, but he had a Hall of Fame quarterback, a Hall of Fame wide receiver, and a Hall of Fame offensive line. Yeah, and, right. And you're taking all that away and giving him a second year quarterback that looked better at the end of the year, but not great. Uh their number one receiver right now is uh, Quincy Anunua and Jamison Crowder, and not the same offensive line. So that's gonna that's not gonna just yeah. translate all the way over like everybody I think you know is expecting. Right. Um, I mean, he, I, I still obviously I still think he'll put up a thousand yards rushing. He'll probably have a bunch of receiving yards because without a real stud receiver, they're gonna need a guy like that to catch balls out of the backfield, take pressure off Darnold. But he's not yeah. gonna. I don't. I don't expect the kind of years he had in Pittsburgh. No, I mean I agree. I'm I'm with you, and and and, and uh, it, like I said, the Jets are again. The Jets are going for it. Again, a lot of pressure on the GM up there. Um, you know, they do have a new coach, Adam Gase, but a lot of pressure on the GM, uh, McCagnan. You know, he survived the coaching change this year. You know, they hired a new head coach, so 
I think he, it's again. I think he's under some pressure to, to 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 win some games, and you know, obviously when you're in New York City, there's always pressure to win games. So to be again, it'd be interesting to see how these guys handle the pressure up there. And, and and again, from a cohesive perspective, a team culture perspective, you're bringing in a lot of new guys from a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different organizations. We interesting to see how, how how that goes with again Lev Bell, C.J. Mosley, and some of those other guys they brought in. So, all right, let's go to your Detroit Patriots. <laughs> up in Motown, you know they brought in Flowers. They brought in who? Uh, give Justin, me a, the r- quick rundown of who they brought. You know, just a big couple big names: Justin the Coleman, Outlaw, Jesse James, Justin Coleman, uh, Danny Amendola. Um, right. So yeah, they've a lot of a lot of expatriates. But hey, that's the one thing. I'll, that's the one thing I will say. I, I can live with doing that because Patricia has a first-hand knowledge of their work ethic and what kind of guys they typically are. Right. So I don't have a, as big a problem with them doing bringing in those kind of guys because they, he knows them. Um, you know, the, the, the Amendolas of the world, the Trey Flowers of the world. I think Justin Coleman was in New England even for a little bit, too, before he went to Seattle. So, uh, you know, I think, I think that – go ahead. I was just going to say they also got the guy from, from Arizona, the offensive lineman, that was kind of a um, – he, obviously not a superstar, but he, he is a guy that, that was highly regarded in Arizona, kind of an under-the-radar signing, a guy that is kind of a sleeper free agent pick, if you will. Who's and, that? Uh, uh, Ode Abushi. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not kidding you. I'm serious. Just read up on him. He, he seriously, you know, was uh, – is, is he was – he's going to be looked at as a guy that a lot of people don't realize that any that who signed him and then next year, you know – as bad as that offensive line was in Arizona, for them to let that guy go, that I, I don't know if I – that may be a little bit of a red flag to me because as bad as they were, you'd think if, if this guy had some up, upside, they'd have, they'd have made a, found a way to keep him, but that's just me. Um, the other the – other, uh, don't forget the uh, – they also re-signed Zach Zinner. <laughs> Your buddy, the he's – hey. But, I mean, that's – but that but to me that's a good signing because he's a – He's a scrappy special teams kind of guy. Can be your, you know, he's going to be on all your special teams. In a pinch, he can be your tailback for a couple carries, you know, four, five, six carries a game if he has to be, you know. And he's and he's and he's and he's not going to get in trouble off the field. He's going to be a good locker room guy. Those are, I mean, every team needs a couple of those kind of guys. Yeah. Again, like Rex Burkhead, you know. Exactly. I, I just noticed the Patriots re-signed Brandon Bolden. Yeah, you know that those kind of guys that are special teams guys that are b- bottom of the roster guys, but are valuable because you got to have those kind of guys that can do multiple different things for the for the fifty three man roster. Real quick, uh, Obuche's pass blocking game grade from week ten to week seventeen was a seventy seven point eight, which was the eighteenth best of all offensive linemen in the entire league. What about weeks one through nine? He wasn't playing then. Oh, <laughs> okay. He came in. He was an injury replacement, and he actually uh, okay. He, he played well. So, like I said, it's a guy that not going to make, not going to break headlines, but could be a could be a sleeper kind of guy. That and, and hey, it's an offensive lineman. If you can get a guy that can block and, and keep Matt Stafford upright, and maybe give him some time to throw and give holes for Carry On Johnson, then could be good. So yeah, okay, all right. Well, yeah. Again, I think it's a big year for Patricia in Detroit. I, I think some of the luster, you know, he had a good start, and I think there were some rumblings there towards the mid- midpoint of the year, end of the year, that 
you know, the, the players up there didn't like some of the some of the things he was doing as far as practice and all that stuff. So I think this is an important year for Patricia and Bob Bob Quinn, and I think he's probably going to flush out some of the you know the bad the bad guys that were on that roster. And I think he's trying to bring in more culture guys from the pay you know the Patriot kind of guy to to establish the culture there. Yeah. Hey, they beat the Super Bowl champs last year, so that's right. And and, and it, <laughs> emphatically too. Yeah, it was. Sunday it night, was. a little Sunday night special. Yeah, it was. All right, we're gonna go uh, real quick. My Buccaneers. Not much on the on the the Bucks actually went about signing a bunch of their own guys. They re-signed Peyton Barber. They signed um, they re-signed their backup quarterback. They they re-signed a couple of uh, offensive linemen, Donovan Smith, right before free agency started. They did sign Brashad Perryman. The reason I bring him up is he was he had an agreement in place to go to Cleveland. Last night, right before the OBJ (laughs) trade, and as soon as that trade was consummated, the Browns pulled the offer, basically, and made him, you know, and so that's how the Bucs ended up getting him. So uh, the Bucs got the shot. Was let go. Right. They 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 ended up trading Deshaun Jackson back to Philadelphia for a draft pick, so that was good, which they were going to cut Deshaun because he he kind of wore out his welcome here. He, He and Jameis didn't have a very good rapport and relationships. So I think that he was getting cut. They, they were luckily able to find a trade partner for him. So that was good to get a draft pick at least. Um, and, and, you know, maybe a Paraman and Paraman's from central Florida. So maybe being a little closer to home he, and Paraman actually had a little resurgence at, at the end, end of the year, year last year with Cleveland. Yeah. So uh, maybe he's finally figuring it out how to be an NFL wide receiver, productive guy. So we'll see. Well, he's but, a He's a former first-round pick. He's he's got the the bloodline with with his dad. So I mean, yeah, I mean, he, and, and the Bucks got him on a one-year contract. He'll be yeah. the he'll be the third receiver. He's he's replacing he'll replace Adam Humphreys, who went off to Tennessee. So yep. at half the at half the cost. So I think it's I think it's actually a pretty good move for them to do that, and it's a low-risk move for him to do. And the Bucks signed a new punter, and they signed your your boys back in the fold. You'll be happy to know. The Arab, there'll be another Arab Spring, Arab Rise of the Arab Spring in Tampa. Thank God. I've been worried about that. Your boy Cairo Santos back in the mix for, <laughs> for one more, for another year in T-Town. Yeah, I've been worried about that. I know you have. So, All right, let's get to some of the big trades, which, which will bring us around to the Cleveland Browns. All right, big, first big trade was Antonio going from Pittsburgh to Oakland for a three and a five. Wow. Was a wow, sure. I mean, when I saw that, I was like, "That's all they got for that guy!" Like, really shocked. I mean, how do you not get at least a second round pick? I know he's thirty years old, but my gosh, I mean, the guys. I I I truly believe one of the only reasons he had a a down year to his standards last year was because of the emergence of Juju and because of no Le'Veon Bell there. I mean. Right. I, I just I, that was stunning. I, I think Pittsburgh is that that is horrific. And well, I mean, I mean, Oof. they he he couldn't come back to Pittsburgh. He wasn't no. under any circumstance. He no. was he not coming back. You know, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess I guess the and, and well, the other part of that deal was that people don't realize is Oakland gave him about 20 more million dollars, not more, but new money, upfront right. guaranteed money, which he had three years left on his contract. I'm stunned that they they did that. They gave him that much more that that much money, uh, guaranteed money. Not again. Not that he's not, you know, he he 
he, I think his contract was like 12 or 13 million bucks with the Steelers. And granted, he's better than that. And he's probably one of the top three receivers. So he should be up in the 16, 17. But I'm just shocked they gave him so much new guaranteed money. Yeah. But I mean, hey, you get a guy like that, like we were talking about with the Raiders earlier. It's, you know, yep. you want to put the guy around Derek Carr, you give him what you want. And to only give up a third and a, a three and a five, I mean, you get him for basically nothing. Considering Amari Cooper goes for a first round pick. And then you get a guy that's arguably, you know, a a better receiver overall. Right. And, and yeah, he's a little bit older, but still. And you only give up a third and a five, a fifth for him. How about, crazy. How about this? Last year, Oakland traded Pittsburgh a third round draft pick for Martavis Bryant. Right. <laughs> I know. You basically are saying that he's Martavis Bryant plus a fifth round pick. <laughs> that, that much. I mean. I hate to say it, that 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 really must tell what people think as far as his locker room demeanor and all that stuff and what potentially volatile, you know, combustible guy he could be as far as team chemistry, you know. Um, I mean, Bryce's not even get a, in the league. <laughs> for them to only get a third third and a fifth for him. And, and credit to the Raiders. I mean, I guess if you're the Steelers, you, you got to take the best because you didn't want to – you couldn't have him on the roster because if they'd had him on the roster for another week, they'd had to pay him – Right, like a three million dollar roster bonus, and they weren't going to do that. So they, I think they just and and, and you know, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if they traded him to Oakland, thinking Oakland could be a dumpster fire. They weren't <laughs> trading him to a to a true contender, no. where he was going to come back in the next year or two and really stick it to him. So I don't think he, they weren't trading him to the to a to an AFC powerhouse. They weren't trading him in the division, no. Um, so you know, Oakland's probably you know. Not a terrible place to send them because the Oakland's probably not ready to win next year. It's probably they're, they're probably two years away from winning big, so who knows? Yeah. But I guess you got to get what you can get for them and, and move on. But basically, they got for Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, they got a third round draft pick and a fifth round draft pick for those two guys. I mean, which is pretty hard to believe too if you if you if you look at their roster. It's crazy, and you know that Roethlisberger has got to be just. Not happy about this at all. I mean, you got. No, he. I mean, I know. I know they've had the problems. He was a part of the problems, not a part of the issues. So he's probably. He knows he's he 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 won because he won the power play. I mean, the 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 organization sided behind him. No, I agree with that part. I I I mean, I know he obviously you know he wanted him out of there, but I'm saying you got you know he's got to be unhappy that they didn't get much for him. Yeah, but Pittsburgh's I mean, because, always pretty good. At, Pittsburgh's always pretty good at drafting receivers. They'll get somebody before free agency or the draft. I mean, Juju, James Washington, and and one more guy. I think that's not a bad option. You got you got Ryan Switzer, who's pretty decent for them. The They'll windows, get, the windows closing fast though for Ben. No, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I agree. But that they, they they need more help on offense. Wasn't the problem in Pittsburgh, even though. We think it was defense was the problem in Pittsburgh. Has been the problem the last couple of years in Pittsburgh. So, yeah, um, I, I think Ben will be fine in that offense. I think they'll get another receiver. They'll bring in a number two guy, a pretty good number two receiver. I think uh, whether it's trade or free agency, and, and I think they'll be okay. And I think James Conner will do a good job at running back for him. You know, um, you know, Plus, you got e- you got your boy EIEIO at tight end now. Yep, and Jalen Samuels has has really yeah. looked good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I think they need to pump as much money as they can on defense. To be honest with you, um, feel good story out of Pittsburgh, real quick, and we'll move on. 
they they decided they're going to pay Ryan Shazier this year. Yeah. They didn't have to do that. I think his salary was like 450000 bucks, something like that, his last year of his contract. That way he can get medical – he can keep his medical insurance as well as he'll be vested as far as being a, for a pension and all that. So I think that's a pretty good that's – a, that's, a, that's an awesome move by the Steelers. And they've always been known for taking care of their guys like that. So yeah. kudos to them. Which is, which is why it's odd that Bell and Brown were so unhappy there. Yeah, some guy. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's, and I'm shocked that. I mean, again, I know AB's. You know, he, he he's a hell of a player, but like like Larry Fitzgerald said, he he might be surprised what it's like not to have a an all an all uh, an all NFL all pro kind of quarterback throwing the ball to him. So it'd be inter- interesting to see what the over under is for for the first blow up between Carr and Antonio <laughs> or Antonio and Gruden. More what important, week? <laughs> what week? I'd say week three at the latest. <laughs> I'd, I'd say you might not get out of training camp. <laughs> no, he'll, he'll, yeah, he'll, he'll keep you if they're on hard knocks. <laughs> Woo. All right, let's talk about the, 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 the bombshell team, the, the, the put, get your money in on the Super Bowl champions of 2020, the Cleveland Browns. 2020? This team's ready to compete now. That's what I'm saying. They're going to win the Super Bowl in oh, 2020. Yeah, the, the game played in 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah, man. That I, I, I was working a baseball game last night. I looked down at my phone. I like, guy next to me, I like hit him on the shoulder. I was like, holy cow, man. Look at this. I, that, that, was a, that was definitely a bombshell of a trade. And, I mean, for the Giants, a first round in Jabril Peppers, uh, I, I think he could have got more. For the Browns, though. I mean, really, could you have, though? I mean, who who is going to pay more than that? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, hey, if you, if Brown's going for a third and a fifth, then, yeah, you know, obviously you got a lot. Um, I, I just don't know what you're doing getting rid of a guy. And I, I know that they're kind of wanting to build around Barkley. They're kind of probably tired of, of Beckham's antics, and, and it's kind of like a, an Antonio Brown thing. He's kind of worn out his welcome there with his mouth. and. And, and all of his on the field stuff, and you get a guy that that uh, you know you get a first round draft pick, you have a chance to to build more. But you know, obviously the Eli Manning thing, they're still stuck with Eli. They're not, you know, no, no moves in free agency, no trades uh, to, for a quarterback. So surprising by the Giants that they would that they would get rid of him um, right right now and not try to do anything else. But kudos to the Browns, man. They put together a heck of a team. They're going but, for they're 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 the Rams of 2019. They're going for it. They're going for it. The thing that you have to look at though is you have a lot of volatile personalities in that locker room. It's just on the offensive side alone. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You've got Kareem Hunt who's coming off the who, you know, we don't even know when he'll be able to play, obviously, because the suspension hadn't hasn't been handed down and he is going to be suspended. He has not been a lot of oh, people yeah. forget. He hasn't been suspended by the league yet. The Chiefs just cut him, so yeah, he, he still has a suspension coming. You oh, got he's, getting, he's, he's getting he's getting six or eight games, no doubt oh, about it. Easily, easily, yeah. But you got Baker Mayfield, who who obviously the the concerns about his character were and on field antics in college. You got Beckham. You got Landry. Um, you know, you got some some uh, Antonio Callaway who had who right. had issues in college. A lot of lot of. Uh, uh, there's going to be a lot to manage there for. Um, that's that's the that's the that's the big question. Two things. One is, 
I, th- I think Cleveland's smart in going for it now because, one, you can afford these salaries now because Mayfield is in, in his infancy of his contract and career. Yeah. He's, a low, he's a low salary cap number. So if you're going to spend, this is the time to do it because two, three years from now, he's going to be in the 25 to $30 million range, and you're, yeah. which means Landry and or one of those you know, receivers won't be there um, and that kind of stuff. So. Nick, um, Chubb, Nick Chubb is still cheap right now. Yep, exactly. So, I mean, uh, you know, here's my question is two things. One is you got all these, bo- you got all these big personalities, but you got Freddie Kitchens, who's a, who's a going to be a rookie head coach. <laughs> and I know he's, a, and I know he's, you know, he's been, he's been coaching in the league for a while, but he's never been the man where he has to make the decisions. He has to, you know, create the culture, create the tempo, create the, the, the accountability. Um, you know, he comes from the Bruce Arians tree of, of coaching. So he's been with Arians for a while. So that's going to be interesting to see how, how that works. And two, everybody says, I know OBJ and Landry are, are best buddies and all that, but yeah. they're both number one kind of diva kind of, I mean, I, I need my touches kind of guys. Right. I'm not so sure that's not going to become an issue, you know, week seven, week eight, if all of a sudden, Beckham has 60 catches and Landry's got 35 catches or, or vice versa. And they're, and they're not winning. Remember, right. winning solves a lot of problems. It masks a lot of issues. It's like yep. pain medicine. It can make the pain go away. It does not, it does not you know, uh, heal the wound. Right. And yeah, I agree with you. Not only that, Antonio Callaway is a, has really, is a really an up-and-coming receiver. He's gonna, they're going to want to get him involved as well. You got Nick Chubb, you got Kareem Hunt, you got a lot of mouths to feed there. I agree with you. I think that I, I know that I, I'm 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 in complete agreement about the Beckham Landry thing. That has been you know, oh they're they're reunited and blah blah blah. Yeah, wait it's, wait till you it's, get... e- it's easy to do that when you're in different cities to be best buddies and right. when you're not competing for touches and all that stuff and right. and and, made, and you know it's just it's just different. You know both those guys think they're number one receivers. And Odell's clearly a number one. Landry's a good, really good player. I'm not sure he, he's at the, he's not at the OBJ level. I don't think, but no. But he's paid. But he's been paid like it. So you know, and he's kind of the voice of the Cleveland. You know, he was kind of the voice of Cleveland last year in you know hard knocks and all that stuff. So right. um, hopefully it works out. You know, but it wouldn't shock me if that kind of if it, if that became an issue to where you know a year from now, two year you know a year from now, one of those two guys got to go because. There's just too many mouths to try to feed. It, this could be something that that propels them to the Super Bowl. It really could. This this kind of these kind of deals and the and the signings and everything, or it could be something that's blown up after one year because it just does not work. It's going to be also, one of, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and Cleveland's made some pretty pretty good moves on defense too. They traded for Olivier Vernon, yes, who's a, who's a, that who is pretty good defensive end to, to pair up with Miles Garrett. Yeah, they've got a pretty they've got a pretty good bat, you know, secondary. The, the defense was pretty good last year to begin with. Yeah. Again, a lot, and a lot more pressure now on one Baker Mayfield. So, yeah. um, you know, it was a fun story last year. They kind of came out of nowhere, and they, you know, he's a rookie quarterback running around doing doing his thing. But it's gonna be very interesting to see how, with with expectations now and pressure, how Cleveland, especially that offense and Freddie Kitchens, how they respond and to to to, to trying to feed all the mouths they got to feed. Because usually, when a team has that many weapons on offense. One or two of those guys get, you know, behind the scenes start to get disgruntled when they're not getting their 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 touches. Yeah, you know, you're exact. You're exactly right. I completely agree with that, and that's 
that's one of the things I was thinking of when I saw the talent that was coming in there. I was like, wow, that's a lot of talent, but that's a lot of mouths to feed, and, and there's only one football to go around. And we and didn't, lot, and we, of, and we didn't even talk about Njoku, who had a real good right. second half of the year last year and was really became a weapon for them by tight end. So, right. um, you know, it's gonna be real interesting to see how that goes, and they're gonna be the darlings of the NFL for sure. This coming up near all the prognosticate. I mean, with the with the decline of Pittsburgh and Baltimore and Cincinnati, they're gonna be the the they're gonna be the sexy pick to win that division yeah. and, and and compete with the Patriots and the Chargers and the Chiefs. To, to be serious playoff contenders, but it'll, it'll be very interesting to see how that goes and can but, Baker Mayfield continue that progress. But you know, one thing also that you cannot replicate, none of those guys really know how to win as far as at the NFL level. Yeah, they know how to win at college, but uh, Landry not has yet, never... Not yet, at least. No, not yet. I'm just saying all these guys are coming from teams that were not that great. I mean, Baker Mayfield, obviously, and Chubb, rookies. Yeah, and forget about their college careers. Beckham was on a team that was never very good. Might have made the playoffs a couple times, but overall not really good. Landry was on a team that was not very good. Um, so those those things can come into play when, you know, you're all of a sudden be, being told, hey, you're the favorite and everything. you got to know how to, to handle that. Yep. The Patriots are, and the Steelers and those guys know how to handle it. If you haven't been on a team that is the favorite, before you got to you got to learn how to, to handle that because you know you can let it go to your head and think hey all we got to do is show up and right, it work right. that way so but but kudos to kudos to John Dorsey for going for yeah. I, I, you can't I mean you no, can't I agree. You can't blame him for trying and going for it because Cleveland is a football town man I mean that team has yeah. been starving for a good team for the last 20 25 years and it's just been uh, you know as bad as they've been the last you know decade 15 years or so you know, you, you almost you almost root for them because you want them to be good to, to have some 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 good 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 mojo. But it's not a guarantee that they're going to be you know a ten and six, eleven and five kind of team just because they signed all these guys. So right. Um, but yeah, it, it, very interesting. So all right, real quick on Kyler Murray he had his he had his pro day today. He didn't run the forty through the ball. You know, in a stage kind of workout. Uh, the question for you, Mike. Is he the number one pick in the draft? Is Arizona taking that guy? I mean, of uh, you know, of, you know, kind of interesting, interesting tidbit. Uh, Arizona did not show up at the workout today, which is kind of predictable because they don't want to. You know, they're trying to lay low, and right. you know, they're going to bring him in obviously to Arizona for a one-on-one -on -one for a day or two over there on one of the visits and work him out there. I'm sure. So, uh, what are your thoughts, real quick, on is he going to be the? You think they're going to take him number one and trade Josh Rosen? I do. I think they are, and I think it's because they're gonna they're they're starting over with the new coach. That that offense that Kingsbury runs is not going to be conducive with Josh Rosen, and um, uh, I just think that I think that the writing is going to be is on the wall that they're going to take him. Um, it's hard to pass up a guy like that, and and after looking and, and seeing, hey Baker Mayfield's not that tall, and look at what he's done. He comes out of the same system with Lincoln Riley, you know. Right. right. I, I, there's too much. There's too much to pass up. And and when you're a team that's drafting number one, and there's a quarterback like that, and, and granted he's polarizing because of his height, and you know, and really he only had one year. He's only played one year, really. Uh, but look what he did in that one year. And granted, against some poor defenses, and when he went up against a tough defense. He struggled for the first half, but 
that's that's tough to pass up as a and and you you got you got uh you got a guy in Larry Fitzgerald that's probably in his last season. You yep. want to be able to get him, you know, a, a chance. And so I, I think that he will be the number one pick. I, I don't see how you go with with, with a Bosa or a um, or a Quinnen Williams. I, I yep. just think yep. I do too. I think here are my two thoughts. Uh, one, you're Arizona. You have the number one pick in the draft. Not that you don't want to take the best player available, but you only, you're only drafting number one so many times in your in the in the scheme of the franchise. You Typically, hope. you take a quarterback <laughs> if you need one, especially. They, they've got to not be fully sold on Josh Rosen based on what they've experienced with him for the last year, especially Steve Kime, who was in the building. Um, again, if you're Cliff Kingsbury, this might be your one shot to be an NFL head coach. And if you're going to go down in flames, at least go down with your kind of guy, right. which is that, which is, you know, the run around air raid kind of quarterback. You've seen him for, you know, you recruit, you recruited him out of high school. You've seen him play against you in college. You know what, what you got. You know what he can do well in your offense. And I'm, I'm with you. I think they're going to take him. I think they'll, I think eventually they'll get a number one pick for Josh Rosen. It may not be till the draft, but I think they're going to get a number one pick for him. Um, because, again, there's too many quarterback-hungry teams in the league that need a quarterback, and whether it's the Giants, whether it's the Dolphins, maybe even the Redskins, even though they traded for Case Keenum. Uh, maybe a team like the Patriots late in the dr- late in the first round. That's what I was. Hey, gonna, that's what I was going to ask you about. Uh, I, I wanted. That's what. Just following up on that. That is that. I read an article about that, and that looks like a good fit because hey, you can you can sit him down next year and let him learn. If I'm new, if I'm new England, I would give up the 32nd pick of the draft all day long for that guy. I would too. I would too. Arizona's already paid all the signing bonus money. Yep. He's very he's very affordable as far as being even as a backup quarterback salary wise. He's very affordable the yep. next three years. You can you can train him up, and if you really want to, if, if Brady for some reason falls off the cliff, you can go to Josh Rosen. I think yep. I think to me, if I'm the Patriots, I would I'd call up Arizona tomorrow and say. They probably Arizona probably wouldn't take the deal tomorrow because they want to string it out a little bit. Right. But if you're if you're I think if you're the Patriots or somebody at the bottom of the first round and you're in need of a, of a quarterback, you have an aging quarter. Even even a team like New Orleans, which I know right. they don't have a first round quarter pick this year, um, maybe you give up your number one pick next year. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. But I'm just. But my point is, somebody's going to give up a first, when it comes when it comes to Rouge, somebody's going to give up a number one pick for Josh Rosen. Yeah, I mean the talent's there, and and you do at least have to, we think at least we think it is. We think it is, but you also he he was I I read the, you if you look at the numbers he played against the best defenses of any rookie quarterback last year. He had the worst offensive line of any rookie quarterback. Not to mention he had two offensive coordinators in the middle of the season, and neither one of them were very good. Right, at, you know, at doing what they should have done, which was get the ball to their running back, and. Uh, so hey, don't, don't hey don't hey don't question Byron Leftwich. He's my offensive <laughs> coordinator now. <laughs> but no, I mean I'm serious. You know, you, you you had you had a lot of dysfunction there, and you can't put it all on Josh Rosen on why they were that bad. Right. So, and, I, and I'm with you. I'm with you. I just uh, and I'm with you. I think uh, so their I offensive their offensive line was really bad. Really bad. And so he was getting hit. I mean, he had a couple of games where he played pretty well, and they won a couple of games later in the year. Um, and again. It just may be a fit situation with the, with the new coach. I mean, if, they, if yeah. there was a different coach in there, Rosen would probably be the guy they would go with, honestly. Right. 
No, they you're right. Probably, they, and they would probably they would probably trade mortgage the number one pick to the Giants for a ransom. Yeah. You know, so um again, I still think they'll get a number one pick for him in the end when when it's time to trade them. But um but again, if you're Kingsbury and you got one shot probably to be a head coach here, I think you, you gotta go roll the dice with the, your kind of guy and same with Steve Kime. He's on the hot seat too. Yeah. So uh you know, he like he 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 and your buddy Matt Prater like to meet up for happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say that about Matt. Matt's a, Matt's Matt's in, had several years of recovery. My bad, Matt. Tom Collins. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, let's transition to the NCAA basketball tournament selection Sunday. Sunday brackets get unveiled. My question to you, Mike. The argument, the annual argument about bubble teams. Do we go with the eighth place team in the Big 12 or the ACC or the Big 10? Or do we give the second place team, the Belmonts of the world, the Lipscombs of the world, the uh, those kind of guys, do we give them the nod over the, the seventh ranked team that was eight and 10 in their conference? Or do we give a, the little guy who's second, second in their conference or the third best team in the Missouri Valley or whatever, you pick the mid-major conference, we give those guys the nod over the big, over the big conference guys. Well, I, I'll, uh, you say pick, pick the conference. I'll go ahead and pick the SoCon. And that's because I've done, a, I've worked a lot of Sanford games this year uh, who was in the SoCon and I got to see UNC Greensboro and I got to see uh, uh, Wofford and Furman all up close. And I can tell you, these guys can play. Um, I would, if it's me, I, I, I said it after I watched the firm, watch Furman, these guys can shoot the three. They're good inside, and they're fundamentally sound. They're a team that if you put them in the tournament against, you know, as a you know a thirteen or a fourteen or even a play-in game uh, from you know the first round, they're a team that can make noise, and they're probably going to give you better games than the NC States and the Clemsons would, and even the Alabamas. Uh, right. And so I'm all for that. I think that it makes the tournament more exciting. Um, I understand that you've got money on the line, you've got conference, you know, power on the line, and you've got uh, TV ratings and all that. And and uh, UNC Greensboro does not bring the TV ratings that a Clemson or an Alabama or anybody like that brings. But if you want a better tournament, I think you put those guys in. Now, granted, they've got to do something, and they're you know they've got to do something uh, to get there. And I think that these these teams have. I mean. Um, they Greensboro played well against Wofford in the final in the championship game and really could have won that game. Um, but uh, what, the, what, what these little guys can't have happen, here's what they really can't have happen. They cannot have the same, like, for Mary's. example, they, well, that, that did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. St. Mary's upset Gonzaga, which St. Mary's was kind of a bubble team, but probably wasn't going to make it if they didn't win that conference tournament. Right. So that takes one bit, that takes one bit away. Right. You know, you got Buffalo, Buffalo's in the Mac. They've dominated that league, which what you can't have is you can't have somebody knock them off to take another bit away. So for these teams to really get serious consideration, they need kind of the chalk teams, the teams that are kind of we all, we all think are already in the tournament to win these conference tournaments. We can't have a sleeper team come out of nowhere and win one of these tournaments that takes away a bid. Right. Yeah. All I right. Just... I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a good I'm gonna give you a good you know here here's kind of the debate. You know, I've been, I'm, a, I'm an Indiana guy. I went to grad school in Indiana. You got Indiana's at 17 and 14 right now. 
eight and twelve in the Big Ten conference. So that's you know if you look at that on the on the on, on the surface, no way they're even in, not not even on the bubble. But they beat Michigan State twice. They beat Louisville. They beat Marquette. They've won. I mean, those are four pretty good wins. Um, versus a Belmont versus a UNC Greensboro. That's the hard part where these committees have to do is to is to weigh the quality wins that these bigger schools have had versus the bad losses versus the Belmonts of the world who maybe only got one or two chances to play a big team during the year and how did they do and how did they how consistent were they in their conference throughout the year? Right, and you know you look at a team like Furman who beat Villanova. Now, granted, Villanova is not what they were, but but they're still, still yeah they're still a top you know twenty team in the country. It's still a, it's still a big win, and you won at their place. You have a you have a good you know you have a good RPI things like that. Uh, Belmont, uh, you know, they they lose in their conference title game. I I, it's, I I agree with you. I think that's tough, but you know the the goal is to is to win. And yeah, you had two big wins against Michigan State that that in your conference, but you only won eight games in your conference. I mean, right? That's hard to to say that a team that has a losing record in a in their conference should be in should be in. And then not only that, they're they're big, you know, the quad one games, the quad two games, they, they had losing records there too. So I think you got to look at what kind of Big Ten tournament they play and then go from there. I think that and they're, as of right now, I don't think they're I don't think they should be in over. I, I'm like with that. you. I think they probably they they play Ohio State tomorrow. Tomorrow that's pretty much an elimination game. If I agree. In the, I agree. whoever wins whoever loses that game is done. Whoever wins that game is still at least on the bubble in the mix a little bit. So right. um, that, that's going to be a game to watch tomorrow on Thursday of the Big Ten tournament. You got I'm going to give you three other teams with some big-name coaches that, that we all remember. St. John's with Chris Mullen, Georgetown, Patrick Ewing, and Arizona State with Bobby Hurley. So those are three other teams that are kind of on the bubble that need to, do, that need to win a game or two in their conference tournament to, again – solidify themselves as a strong bubble team and you know either way I don't think you can you know if you're the committee I think the committee does a pretty good job and usually there's only one or two slots that we kind of have a major argument about at the end of any given year so I think the committee usually does a pretty good job of dissecting who really deserves to be in or not but it's always that last one or two slots that we there's some debate there's debate on and all that stuff, which makes it fun. That's part of the beauty of March Madness. But um, I'm with you. I, if everything was dead equal, I would give the team that 26 and five or 27 and six the nod over a team that's you know 18 and 14. Right. And, it, it, and, and and it's not necessarily the overall record. It's the conference record that that you know when you when you have a losing conference record. That means you limped your way through most of the year, and that just right. why should you be rewarded for that? Just because you pulled a couple upsets, and, and it was teams that that are, that you had to play. You know, it wasn't that you went out and scheduled those guys. Michigan State, they have to play them twice. Right. I, I just don't, you know. And I, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you right now, and, and <laughs> I'm an Alabama fan. Unless they win the conference tournament, they have no business being in the tournament. And any, any Alabama fan that gets upset that they get slighted on on selection Sunday is, is out of their mind. They haven't beaten. I think, I think I read something that they they haven't beaten a ranked team or or, or even a team that's considered in the tournament since January. No, not since Kentucky. That's it. 
And that was and a home win. That was man, a home win. And that's a guy I, I'm, I'm very surprised Avery hasn't. I mean, to me, that just, that, that's, a bad, that's a blemish on Avery Johnson this, these last couple of years because, you know, he's a great recruiter. And you, you just wonder, can the guy coach? Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. As an Alabama fan, I, I love the guy. I really do. I love what he, what he, I love the positive, positive attitude he brings to the team. I, I'm done, though. I mean, you, <laughs> you, you got to the tournament last year. You won a game. You're supposed to take the next step. The next step is, you know, even for like, look at Godfrey. And as much as I disliked him, at least be at least be comfortably in the tournament this year. Nobody said you have to be fifteen and three in the conference, but be but be ten and eight. Be be a comfortable team where you're you're you know you're a seven, you're an eight or nine seed. You know, right? And that's what if you look at Godfrey, if you go all the way back when he from when he started, he took a step. One year, you know, losing record. Next year, NIT. Next year, NIT championship game. The next year, that's when they were number one in the country and they made a, they were a number two seed. The next year they fell to an eight seed, but then they went on to the elite eight. They got better and they progressed, and you know they were I mean? in the tournament every year. This team is like it's like a miracle if they make the tournament. And he, this is his fourth year. He should have been he should have been in the tournament this year. You know why Godfrey was so good all those years? Oh well, we know why he was so good. He he, he was very good at handing out envelopes. Apparently, he was very good at that. But, <laughs> hey. Uh, obviously, hey, Avery handed apparently Avery handed it out last year allegedly. So, with uh, your boy, with your boy Colin, yeah, I mean that that's in the FBI thing. You know, he was is it really? Oh, is it really? I didn't know that. Sexton was a name it, that was brought up in that FBI sting from last year. Yeah. Oh, how about your boy Will Wade at LSU? Wow. Now, celebrate that tournament or celebrate that conference championship that'll be vacated in about wow. a year. So. He that that that's 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 not going to end up well for Mr. Will Wade. But no, seriously though, I mean, those teams like that, I don't care what their names are. You don't win your games, and you you limp through your conference season. And the I'm other team is, I mean, like a team like Furman, they're only losing to the teams that are better than them in their conference. The the UNC Greensboro's and the and the Waffers. Everybody right. else, they're beating. They're doing what they're supposed to do. I, I, and like I said, I've watched them play up close and personal. I'm telling you, if Furman gets in the tournament, I, I don't care who they play in the first round. I'm telling you, watch out win. for them. They can win a game. They can win a game. They are that good. And I, I'm really surprised. I'm surprised. And it wouldn't shock me if I was, you know, if I was part of that, you know, the NCAA tournament selection committee. One thing I would make as a guideline, whereas an, as an absolute, that you you will not even be under consideration if you don't have a 500 record in your conference. I agree. I, mean, I completely I mean, agree. That way, that way, teams can't say, "Well, I'm not going to go schedule somebody outside of my league because I'm afraid of losing." No, no, no. You can still do all that stuff. We want you to do that, but if you can't go 500 in your league, which that's the majority of your season is your conference schedule, you should not be in consideration. I I completely agree. I, I'm, I mean. Even with injury factors and all that stuff, I mean, I hate to say it. I'm an Indiana fan. I want them to make the tournament, but at eight and twelve, that unless they win two or three games in this Big Ten tournament, that's hard to justify them getting in the tournament at eighteen at eight and twelve in the Big Twelve, Big Ten. You know? Yeah. Like uh, I said, I mean, you can win the games. Alabama's got to win against Kentucky, but that you go, the, but they're eight one and, game. That's one it, night. It's one on night. I mean, yeah. I just don't. 
I don't, I, I just don't, I completely agree. I don't think if you, if you can't win, if you can't compete in your conference and not only that, the other thing about Alabama, they had the opportunity at the end of this season. They had two games to play again at home against Auburn and at Arkansas, both winnable games. And they lost both of them. Oh yeah. <clears throat> not only that, they were winning the Auburn game for most of the game and then blew it at the end. You you win those two games and you're pretty much in right now because you're because you're ten and eight, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, you're. Oh, if they win those two games, they'd be in. Oh, yeah, no doubt. They're ten and eight and they're nineteen and twelve overall, and going into the tournament as like a four seed. So, uh, talk about the SEC tournament. The SEC tournament, yeah, yeah, not the not the NCAA, but the SEC tournament. They're going in as the four seed, right? You, you're pretty much in. You're a lock there, but you, I mean, it's it, it's set up for you to. To do well, I mean, you can't beat Auburn on your home floor, and we all saw how. I mean, Auburn has not been great lately. I mean, yeah, they kind of picked it up here at the end, but it just. I, th- I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see that you should beat. Them. Yeah, and I think you're going to see the committee reward the the Belmonts of the world, the UNC Greensboro's of the world uh, on Sunday. I, I really do. I think the uh, you know some of the teams they're talking about on the bubble, the Indiana's, the Texas, unless they have big runs in their conference tournament. I think they're going to be. They're going to give an op, You know, they're going to give the nod to. They're going to. They're going to reward those guys, and they're going to make them twelve seeds or thirteen seeds, and maybe even have to play in a play-in game. But I think it'll be good for the. I think it'll be good for the for the field and good for the for the conferences. Those those smaller conferences to do that. But again, I want them to. I want them to take the best thirty-four teams. If they think Indiana is truly a better team than Belmont, I want them to take Indiana. I mean, I'm just saying. Just or if they think Alabama's better than Lipscomb or UNC Greensboro. Then I want them to take them, but if they don't, then if it's dead even, then I want them to take the I want them to take the team that that's achieved more on the court during the year. And let's be honest, those other teams give you a much better tournament because they give you the upsets. And after last year, after we finally saw the sixteen beat the one, now we know that any team can beat any it's other possible. team. It, everything's possible. Now we always said, yeah, you know, everything's possible except this will never happen. Now that's happened. And it happened in a big, huge way, and and now and now anything's possible. So those teams, I mean, that the case for those type of type of teams to get in are even better now than they than they were. All right, last thing as we head into conference tournaments, give me your one, give me your one. I'll give you my one seeds. I who I think the one seeds will be uh, heading into uh, on Sunday afternoon, Sunday nights. I think I think Gonzaga, I think uh, Gonzaga will be a one seed. I think uh, I think Virginia is a lock to be a one seed. I think uh, if Duke, with Zion Williams come, coming back, if Duke were to win the ACC tournament, I think they could be a one seed. But if they don't win the tournament, I think Carolina will be a one seed. And I think either Kentucky or Tennessee, if they were to play a third time, if they play a third time, I think the winner of that game would be a one seed coming out of the SEC. Your thoughts? I agree with that. I, I had. Um... Virginia more than likely is I, I had Gonzaga before they lost as the overall number one seed. I think that that if Virginia makes probably the championship game of the ACC, I can see them as the overall number one. Now I think, yeah, I, I think Gonzaga is still a number one, but I think that they're not the overall number one anymore. Yeah. And I, uh, I agree with you. I think that if, if it plays out with in the SEC and the ACC where Kentucky and Tennessee and Duke and Carolina are going to play each other again, I think the winner of those games 
get to the ones the other. Yeah, two. because because Carolina and Duke will play in the semifinals. Right. And then I think I guess Kentucky, Tennessee would probably play. Would they play in the in the semis as well? The two three. Uh, I think they're the because LSU's the one seed, right? LSU's the one, yeah. So they so play Tennessee, the Kentucky will play in the semifinals. So if, I think I think if I think either one of those teams, like I said, I think the if if those if those two if those four teams meet each other in the semis, the winner of those games I think gets the 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 one seed because I think right. that I think that's the tiebreaker, especially with Kentucky Tennessee, where it's a true tiebreaker. I should I should I should re, I should probably reconsider. I don't think. The more I think about it, I don't think Tennessee can be a one seed. The more I think, the more I think about their schedule, I know they'd be un, unless they were to beat Kentucky and LSU, then maybe. True. But if they don't win, if they don't win the whole tournament, even if they beat Kentucky in the semis, if LSU beats them in the finals, for some, some then I don't think they're going to be a one seed. But if Tennessee were to win both those games potentially, but I think Kentucky would have a little bit more of a, of a likelihood to be a one seed if they were to beat Tennessee and LSU. Then I think. Um, Tennessee. With the more I think about it, I could see, I could see um, if Tennessee went, runs the table, wins the SEC tournament, and beats Kentucky on their way to do it. I, I think that they could. I think they could be at one seed. Yeah, uh, I, I know Lenardi has them as a two right now. Definitely right. a two seed at worst. I think unless they just bow out in the first round or something. Right. But I think they'll be a, a comfortable two seed. Yeah, but I mean, I think that I think they have the opportunity to play. To, to try if they beat Kentucky and LSU, and a, two big wins. And to say, I'll, I'll say a sleeper team would be if Michigan State were to win the big run the table and, and beat Michigan and yeah. beat Purdue in the Big Ten tournament kind of deal. They could be a one. They could slide in as the fourth one seed as well. And, and I think that you're right on. Thing. I think you're right on with the Zion thing. I think it matters if and when Zion gets back and for sure and how he looks. I think that goes a right. long way. In the in the committee's decision, because Duke without him is not the same team we've seen. No, I mean it's not even close. So, um, and kudos to North Carolina for taking advantage of that. And actually, you know, they've made a serious run. They, if you if you if you'd asked anybody at what back in January if they're going to be a one seed, it did not look like it at all. North Carolina's good, man. I've been I've seen them play two or three times. They they're they're really good. They don't have a true. They don't have a true big big man, but they are a good perimeter team, and they've got. I mean, they're they're a veteran team. I like North Carolina a lot. Yeah, no, I think I think that they uh, and they're playing freshmen for the first time ever, really. <laughs> so. But they but they have enough. They have enough veteran leadership. They've got enough yes. older yeah. guys. They've got Luke May and one or two other guys that are that are kind of the glue guys that that are that that are important. Luke and, May, uh, Luke, Luke May, out on the town. Later, yeah, later. Luke's rolling around Franklin Street like it's <laughs> 1999, baby. <laughs> All right. Well, next week, what we'll do next week, everybody, we're gonna have our. I'm gonna pick. We're gonna pick our. Uh, we're gonna pick our bracket winners and all that good stuff. We're gonna major heavy emphasis on the tournament next week, the next episode. So, Mike, I appreciate the, the input tonight. Stay tuned. Selection gonna, Sunday. Get your brackets ready. We're gonna, gonna miss be, you. We're gonna miss you next week, buddy. I know, man. I wish I know you're gonna have to be in Vegas, man. I'm gonna. I, I wish I was was gonna be there with you, man. And I promise we're gonna go. We're gonna go one of these years. We'll make it a uh, trip, and I promise. And um, you guys go have a great. You and you and you and my man Dickman have a great time at the uh, at the uh, whatever hotel you're staying at, and drop holiday holiday in Club Victoria or something like that. 
Is that what he's telling you? No, Holiday Inn Club Vacation, Las Vegas. Look it up on Google. It's a, uh, it's really nice. Is it on yeah. the Strip or is it what? No, uh, it's right around by the Strip. It's real close. It's uh, right, like right off the Strip. And uh, but it's a, it, he got us a suite. Oh, got five gonna... five outdoor pools, a put, putting green, and two gyms, which I will get no use out of any of it. You're gonna be uh, you're gonna be watching girls turn tricks in the alleyways over there where you're at. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be watching your boy Bob Kraft flying on the private jet for a uh, freak uh, nasty uh, selection or, or Thursday special, baby. <laughs> oh, the girl! Trust me, the girl, the the clientele will be out and about next Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, baby. Clientele. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and be, watch the Dickman. Keep him under wraps, man. We know he's had a little history. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will i will uh i will put the reins on oh well, no nah, i'm just if he wants to let it loose let him let it loose i guess just uh just give him give him an umbrella <laughs> <laughs> all right man y'all have a great time and, and we'll, we'll talk to you next week and check tell a friend about the powers on sports podcast apple podcast stitcher tell a friend have a great night have a great week see you, see you man <laughs>